time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Here's your host, Andrew for America. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am your host, Andrew for America. And today, people, I had the opportunity to sit down with Brody Shannon Bruce of the Secret Squirrel Podcast. Brody is a military army veteran who served uh, in Germany and in different areas around the Persian Gulf during the Persian Gulf War. Uh, We had a fantastic conversation. Uh, This is probably one of my favorite interviews I've done so far since I've been podcasting. Uh, We... Uh, I think we're very successful in this conversation, painting a picture of the world that not a lot of people get to see. And I call that picture reality. (laughs) Uh, Me and Brody talk about real stuff, people. He talks about his military experience. I talk about mine. Uh, We talk about the opinions that we have on certain things. We go over a lot of stuff, um, you know, what made us join the military, what made us want to leave and get out of here and go try something new. Um, We're both kind of thrill seekers that push things to the limit, which is common amongst the archetype of person that chooses to join the military, uh, in my humble opinion. And uh, you're just going to hear a couple military guys rapping and chopping it up about uh, military stuff. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of phrases and terms and acronyms that you're probably not going to know the meaning of, and that's okay. Uh, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, but, you know, if you do hear something you don't understand, you know, go look it up, people. Go go figure out what we're talking about. Go figure out what the PX is. And go figure out what all the weapon systems that Brody's going to talk about are. Uh, for your own edification, right? Um, so we talk about his time in Germany. Once he got to Germany, he had the, uh, he had the opportunity to uh, take a bunch of cool classes that not a lot of military army guys uh, got to take. So he was very well trained uh, on a lot of weapon systems and different types of things. Um, we talk about if we saw anything in our military time that made us question the narratives and question uh, what was the reality? And Brody gets into some of that. I get into a little bit of that. Uh, what made us, you know, what sent us down our quest of wanting to do research and wanting to learn the realities and the truth uh, of things. Uh, Brody was also the focus of a book called Kuval by author Michael Todd. And uh, I thought that was really cool. He gets into uh, what that entailed and um, how he met Michael Todd. I guess he was an embedded journalist uh, whose daughter was Iraqi, and uh, they talk about what happened uh, to them. Uh, that was very fascinating, and I recommend if you can go get an English translation of the book, uh, go do that. I think the book is in Turkish, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that's very cool. Um, and we just have a lot of uh, very interesting insights in this conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. We talk about 9-11 and the world that uh, was before 9-11 and the world that came after 9-11. We, 
We talk about how different perspectives and opinions change over time and how people don't get the knowledge and the perspective that they need. We talk about how things change generationally. We talk about government and power and military industrial complex. Um, I really think you guys are going to enjoy the show, like I said. And uh, it's very interesting, very fascinating. Uh, Brody is a very tough guy, man. He's been through a lot. Uh, He kind of gets into some uh, medical issues that he had to deal with for a very long time. Uh, The guy, like, almost died. He had to relearn how to walk and how to talk, basically, and how to sign his name, he says. This guy has honorably served his country, and he's given a lot. And I always talk about that sacrifice that military people have to make. And even if they're not making it for their country, maybe they have their own reasons. Maybe they did uh, did it out of necessity. They didn't have a choice. You know, they were going to go to jail. They came from a rough neighborhood. They didn't have a future. They wanted college money, like my specific case. You know, there's a million reasons why people join the military. Are any of those reasons good reasons? You know, I guess that's uh, that's up to the person doing the analyzing. And if it's you trying to make those decisions, hopefully this conversation today will help you. And if you're a military veteran, hopefully you can relate to this conversation. I hope it brings you joy and it makes you feel good and It reminds you that there are guys out there and gals, guys and gals, that have walked the walk and we're starting to talk to each other in this super hyper-connected world and I think it's awesome. It's therapeutic. People need to communicate more and uh, stop isolating and stop getting all crazy and suicidal. Uh, It's time to face our demons and embrace them and, you know, tackle them, defeat them. Become a better, stronger person, no matter how hard life has been for you, and no matter how hard life is going to get, people. (laughs) It's only going to get tougher. You mark my words, my fellow Americans. It ain't getting easier until we all look inwardly and wake the F up. What Brody uh, has been through demands respect, in my humble opinion, and... uh, I'm sure he has many, many stories to tell that will give you a little gratitude, maybe a little perspective, maybe a little humility. You know, maybe you'll find it in your heart of hearts to give thanks to those that have sacrificed and given the ultimate sacrifice for this country. No matter what your personal feelings on what that means to you, You know, I hope you believe in something, people. Got to have faith in something. You got to believe in something. If it's not a higher, if it's not a higher power, you know, maybe it's a it's a principle, maybe it's an idea, maybe it's a way to look at things. Whatever gets you through the day, right? Whatever makes you happy, whatever brings you joy, whatever keeps you sane and rational and thoughtful and connected. I hope this conversation gives you guys some perspective and some insight. And I hope you guys find it in your heart of hearts to show a little bit of respect and a little bit of gratitude for people that have served in our military and for people that have served on the police force, the fire departments, the EMTs, the first responders, 
the people that we need to keep the fabric of our society together, regardless of your opinions, regardless of your stupid theories and manifestos and oh-so-devout beliefs that keep us separated, people. It's time to come together. If we don't come together, (laughs) it's curtains for this country. Here we go. This is a great conversation that we had, and I hope you guys enjoy it. You know what comes next. I'm going to go knock out an Anchor commercial, and when I come back, allow me to present to you episode 111 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast, entitled, Thank You for Your Service. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming to the show Brody from the Secret Squirrel Podcast. Brody, how you doing? Welcome to the show. What's up, my man? How are you, man? Doing great over here. Thanks for having me on, dude. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So uh, I heard you on uh, Monday Night Master Debaters a couple times with uh, Ryan Dean and and with Matt from Great Deception. Ryan, of course, from Dangerous World Podcast. And uh, I checked out uh, your website and uh, your story sounds fascinating to me, especially for me being uh, prior Navy, prior military as well. So um, I wanted to kind of start the show off today by just giving you the floor and kind of giving uh, my audience your story about your your time in Iraq and all the stuff that you've went through and uh, basically just go in, in depth about uh, your write up on your website. So, um, yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you go wherever you want to begin. You want to start, um, I don't know, basic training, whatever you want to do, man. Oh, yeah, start. So, like, yeah, uh, what, what made you get into the military and what made you make that decision? And, uh, you know, what, was, what were your expectations? I know all of us uh, have a little bit of fear and a little bit of excitement. I know I did when I before I left for boot camp. So um, and I know a lot of people struggle with making or not making that decision uh, when they're younger, you know, fresh out of school, trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. So, yeah, what was your road like with those choices? Um, You know, mine was I got out of high school, did my thing, dude, and bounced around, had jobs, bartending, was working two jobs, lived in Chicago, got stale and old, man. I was 25. So it was like, dude, I'm at, I'm getting to that age. It's like, I got to do something and get out of here. So naturally it was the military, had family in the military. That's what first came up. I just wanted to leave, man. I went to the basic and or went to the recruiter and said hey man i need to enlist took the asvab all that great stuff and he said what do you want to do for a job and i said 
whatever job leaves first, man, I want to leave. So I wanted to be gone in a week, but it didn't happen. Dude. It took like a week and a half, but I was able to bounce out to Knox after that and go through that whole rigmarole. Okay, nice. So you finally, so you went through boot camp, and then uh, what was your MOS? What was your job? Thirteen Foxtrot. That's what I went in for, which is a forward observer. I think they changed the nomenclature now. It's something else, I think now, but never okay. did it, man. Went to school, went to AIT for it in SIL, and never got to do it. You know what I mean? Whatever is what it is. So what did you end up doing? What do you mean you didn't get to do it? What what happened? I got orders originally. Um, it was supposed to be to just go to Bragg. That's where I was supposed to go. And this is out of my AIT. They called me back and said, um, hey, something's happened. Um, we're changing the orders and all this good stuff for a bunch of people, not just me. It's like five of us, I think. So I became what they call a holdover, dude, because I had orders to go to a base that I didn't know at the time wasn't even opened up yet. So I was a holdover there, chilled out a little bit. And then I got to go actually to Germany, which was a good time. But when I got there, nothing, it was only about 12 guys. And I mean, I think we had one officer and was just a lieutenant. So butter bar. So it was cool. He was running the whole show. It was a couple NCOs and the rest were all just newbies, man. So I learned a lot of stuff then too, because we were redoing the barracks and we had no, we had no vehicles or equipment. So what I did was able to do a, a lot, which I'd let you do is if you want to go train with the Germans down the road, they would let you fall into their stuff and take, take advantage of some of their things like uh, the shoots and shoots a sneer that like stuff like that, different competitions and shooting and all that. So I was able to hang out with them. And that's like the first time I'll be honest where I'm like, man, all this isn't cut up to be just, I'll tell you real quick. Um, there was a protest or something going on at that time in Germany. I don't know what it was. And they're allowed to protest. They have to have permits though and all this stuff. Well, they had the permits, I guess. The police came to the German post and talked to them. And next thing you know, they're like, hey, come on, American friends, we're going to have some fun. And they were dressing up like the guys to go down there and light stuff on fire, throw it so they get out. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. instigators, agitators. That's the first time <laughs> wow. I was like, dude, what? I was like, I didn't even, I, you know, I was so naive. I didn't know about that stuff. And yeah. you talk to that, you talk to them at nighttime. Cause their stuff is different than ours. Like we we're going ops in the field, 30, you know, 24 hours, 30 days, just nonstop. But boom, them at dust, man, they get the barbecues out, get the rack of beer out and they sit around and talk and eat, man. And you just were able to sleep. So it was great. So we'd share stories and they would tell us, yeah, man, we learned that stuff from you, from you guys. And it's like, you, you didn't learn that shit from me, dude. And he's like, no, not you from the, from the government, they showed us all that stuff. They teach us all that. So I learned a lot of, that's when I kind of started getting my eyes opened up, you know, and then started hearing little things and it was interesting, man. So I learned yeah, so, a lot of stuff like that. So was it like war, like, was it still, was it wartime by the time you got to Germany? No, no, I got to Germany in 2000, 2001. So, I mean, we were attacked already. So, but we didn't oh, okay. go into what, 2003, right? That's when I, I believe so. That's when I went. Gotcha. Okay. That was the initial. So I had like two years there, but we didn't have shit for about equipment or nothing, dude, for about a good nine, 10 months, man. It was just, you want to go to this school? Yeah. All right, cool. We'll send you to this school. You want to go over to this school? All right. Yeah you go to this school just to eat up time. You know, it was, it was real strange, man. And you had a mix match of different MOSs that were usually never together. Like we had tankers there, which it was an MLRS unit, which is multi-long ratchet rocket system. So 
tankers ain't going to be there. Cav scouts, they ain't going to be there. But they were there with us. We had infantry there. And this place was so small. There was no like PX. There was no grocery store. There, all there was was what a commentary they call it, which was like beer, video games, smokes, and maybe some snacks, dude. That was it. And then there was one little tiny motor pool and one little tiny uh, like park place dude but for our pt test we'd run around it four times for our pt test and that's only two it's two miles for our pt so you know how small it was so yeah. it was weird dude and all we learned was pretty much man i'm gonna lie was shoot move communicate everything you could think of on m4s nines two four nine all the weapon platforms mark 1950s i had to i learned so much different stuff man <laughs> you know it was interesting a lot i got a lot of Stuff that normal guys coming into the army never get, dude. Some guys, like my cousin, is a sergeant major right now, and he's still in. And he's like, man, dude, I wish I could have got some of those schools, you know, when I was – I've been in – he's been yeah. in, what, 20 years, I think, now. And he's like, I couldn't even get those schools as a sergeant, and you got them. I mean, I was I was tracking, though, too, you know, every – Every waiver, dude, I was getting every waiver for rank. You know what I mean? Like, I think I was like a E4 and whatever you could Google. I don't even know if it's two years is the soonest you could be one. It's like whatever the soonest you could, you were. So it was, I had a real cool time, I would say, you know, in the rear. Did they make you, did they make you test into your next higher rank or was that kind of the perk? Oh, the the army Army never did that. Like I know the air force (laughs) does and some other branches. Yeah. Navy does for sure. Yeah. For us at that time now, how they do it now, I don't know. We would go on your PT test, your rifle qualification, and then your NCO, whatever would, would say, I think this soldier's ready to go. Like, like if I had a Joe, I'd say he's ready to go. I believe he's good. And they would send him to the board. So when you go to the board, that's, Sergeant Major and all the platoon sergeants, everyone else, and they're questioning you about military stuff, just all Mm. anything they could do to trip you up. You know what I mean? You got to walk in there, do your little, do your little, you know, your little march, stop like 10 paces in front of the table, turn around, face them, make eye contact the whole time. It's different, man. Hmm. So, okay. So, so you joined, uh, your MOS got changed. You were supposed to ship out to Germany. It took you a while to get there. Finally, you got there. When you got there, it was kind of like go to all the schools you can, learn all this stuff, and then boom, the war in Iraq happened, and then you got sent to Iraq. So uh, yeah. talk about a little bit about that. Like, What was that like getting that information, and uh, what did they tell you you were going to be doing when you went? You know, I'm, I'm sure like you know too, man. You already hear. You already know you're going to go somewhere before they even give you orders because you've got – your brothers, your buddies, they're seeing them all too up at headquarters or wherever sure. else. So they're putting it out, you know. So everyone knew that we were going to go. And it was just pretty much getting the the wife, you know, ready. Getting my, getting my, I had what, three little Joes, three younger Joes with me at that time that I was responsible for because I outranked them. So getting them ready, making sure that with their wife and everything was ready for all that. And, hmm. and for Not myself, easy. I'll be honest, man, I'll, I don't know, dude. I kind of, I think I always ha- kind of knew, dude. I was like, I don't know. Shit's too weird. I think I knew in boot camp, man, in August when the Twin Towers blew up. I was like, really, dude? I've been in here for like two weeks and we already got attacked. I'm like, That's I, know, I know what's in store for me. You know what I mean? It's like, whatever. Man. That's crazy that you say that. I had, uh, so I was in from 96 to 2000. Uh, I did a, uh, 
uh, Western Pacific deployment in 97 and the one in 99. And so I was lucky because I had just gotten out the year prior. Uh, I was, I just, and I was starting to, you know, figure out going to college and using my GI bill. I was in San Diego. So I was like, I'm not moving back to Minnesota anytime soon. I'm going to ride this out, see what it's like here. I started playing uh, guitar and singing in a band. That's and my awesome, band was bro. getting shows. So I was like, you know what? I'm not, you know, and I was in active reserves, of course, for those first th- three years. So they could have called me back. But, right. um, but yeah, like you said, you're a bartender. I, I got into the service industry too. Uh, did some customer service for a while, fresh out of the military. But then I ended up behind the bar. Same kind of deal. And uh, I was working at Dave and Buster's. I'll never forget where I was on the morning of 9-11. Uh, I was cleaning, uh, I was cleaning pool tables and turning tea all the tvs on and uh, as soon as we got those tvs on boom it was on all of them and we all just kind of stood there with our jaws on the floor watching yeah you know, we thought they were lying man you know because they're the drill sergeants came up and they're like hey put out everyone stop what the fuck are you doing get over here when everyone runs they're like america's been attacked and everyone's like yeah right man this is some bullshit you know yeah you mean? almost exactly you almost don't believe it right yeah, away but, but then some training shit they're doing on us man and then it, they actually showed <laughs> us the video that night and everyone's like damn bro this shit's about to get real now you know yeah it was uh it was crazy to think about and i had uh i had marine buddies that uh, had been discharged and they got recalled they'd been you know, out for over a year and mm-hmm. same kind of deal as you uh, had decent jobs. Um, but, uh, you know, had started a new life and, and, uh, you know, guess what? You're going back. So one of my best friends had to go back for another year or two. And, uh, a guy that was on my ship after I got out, uh, his next duty station, as soon as he got there, they told him that they were, they were going. So, uh, he went over there on a Navy ship and he told me some stories that I was just like, wow, man, oh, like, yeah. I can't believe we yeah. went from our, our, you know, three years hanging out, partying in San Diego, you know, being on a ship that was out to sea all the time, but we were never in any, you know, hazardous duty area. It wasn't, it was a wartime or anything like you that. You guys got those big guns too, though, man. <laughs> 50 cows on my <laughs> ship. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh yeah, there's a lot of fun guns on the, some of those Navy ships. But I was on, on an amphibious ship, so I was with the Marine Expeditionary Unit. Oh, so yeah. We were basically a taxi for Marines. So, right. Um, it was it was crazy. Craziest I ever got to anything was uh, a couple years before 9-11, uh, Al-Qaeda bombed uh, East Timor, a little island in Indonesia. And uh, we were leaving. We, we were going across the Indian Ocean from the Persian Gulf on our way to Australia, when that popped off. So of course we got rerouted and I was off the coast running helos for like two months before I finally ended up getting to Australia. But, um, but seriously, just like I I feel blessed and lucky to have gotten out when I did and to not have gotten recalled. Oh, for sure. dude, uh, For sure. And, and, you know, and I, I mean, like I said, it's a blessing, especially considering uh, the firsthand knowledge that my buddy that I, you know, I worked with every day, you know, I, I got out and he continued on. And sure enough, his next duty station was was going to Iraq. So um, but that pales in comparison, I'm sure, to your experience over there. So um, I, I read on your website you were actually the feature of a of a book. About, yeah, uh, yeah, man. I was that was not too that was too not too long after I got down range, man. I got part of our thing was, man, we get attached to units constantly, like 
my unit, dude, I was never, they were stationed at Biop, like the headquarters, they would call it. Man, I, I was very rarely there. It was just show up from, uh, get attached to a unit, run missions for however long, come back, maybe rack it up for a couple nights, and then I'd have another, get attached to someone else for another 30, 45 days, you know. A lot of them were units that were what they would call like uh, combat ineffective. They didn't have enough even people anymore. They're getting smoked so much. So I would go in there with a few dudes and we would start training them up like in different tactics and stuff. Cause a lot of reason at the beginning of the war, a lot of them were getting killed just for dumb tactics and just silly things where they don't know the difference between cover and concealment. So they're running behind a damn car door and, if anyone knows, they just smoke you right through. It goes through a bullet will go through both sides. So if anyone's watching, don't hang hide behind a car, dude, unless you're in front of the block. That's the only safe place, dude. But I mean, just silly things like that that you would never even think of or hear about, you know. A lot of them die in silly ways, man. So we would train them up, go attack the enemy a lot. And I was there, I did everything you could think of, man. And probably honest. I was overwatch a lot, lot, ammo caches. I mean, cordonage searches, uh, raids. I used to drive. I would be the gunner. Um, they would pick up contractors from Kuwait and drive them back up to Biop. I was a gunner for that forever. I mean, I did so much stuff. I'm, we got extended. We were there a year, and then we got extended because the unit we turned everything over to blew the pooch, dude, and they lost what used to be Saddam City, and then it became Sadar, and we had a hell of a fight to get the militia out of there to begin with. And when we were leaving, they took back over. So Jesus. we got extended. So I was there and there was open, it was open orders, but we had everything like everything wrapped up. Those dudes were taken care of. And I mean, you, you know how it is, dude, you tell guys are going home and their wives are thinking all of a sudden they come on. They're like, guess what? You're not going home tomorrow. There's all these bad guys that are like 60 yep. miles South. They're not going home till they're dead. I mean, anyone that knows anything knows they're not yeah. going to last too long you know what i mean you got a bunch of pissed off dudes are ready to go and we already lost so many so many casualties by then like i bless my bro my brother in arms man jeremy horton my best friend he's not here no more he died after we got extended nat was like a one of my roughest times but yeah i was in a book for this book right here actually it was written by um if you can see it it was written by there we go yep Michael Todd, dude. And he was cool. a wow. guy that I helped um, rescue. I was in this thing. I'm not allowed to talk about it from the military, but anyone that wants to talk about it can. It's called the Hood Event, Iraq. You could Google it, do whatever you want, man. And The learn. Hood Event. You're yeah. not, you still, is it classified? Is that why you still can't talk yeah, about it? Yeah, I'm not supposed to talk about it, dude. Like, you'll see why if you read about it, dude, because it's like, Man, I'm not lying. I thought we did some good shit, dude. Like, we're like, oh, yeah, this is high speed. No, man. Like, Rumsfeld had to go over to Turkey and talk all kinds of shit. But I'll give you the runaround. I don't care. I'm not scared. But what happened well, was. Well, no, dude, I mean, yeah, you don't have to get yourself give, in trouble. But <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the runaround. What happened was there was Turkish forces pushing up, pushing into Iraq. And we found out about it. And we were on the north and we were watching a village. And we saw these dudes basically sneaking in night, man. And what you read online is only part true. It's not all true. Uh, there's For a lot sure. left. There's a lot left out. But mm -hmm. yeah, basically it was Turk special forces, and they had hit lists of all the Iraqi new people in charge, and they were trying to do false flags. Was their plan, I think, to uh, wow. try to get Turkey to come in through the north and be able to come through. 
And that, that didn't happen. And this guy, Michael Todd, he would just happen to be there in the shit show. He was a British like author and stuff. And he had a daughter who was um, half Iraqi and she was there. So he was there just trying to find her. So he was stuck wow. in the shit storm, dude. So yeah. And it's called the hood event. Cause we bagged him and tagged him, dude. And it wasn't a good thing. We bagged him and brought a lot of it for, let's say enhanced interrogation techniques, mm-hmm. that type, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. That's fascinating. So, uh, 15 months straight, you were in a war zone. Yeah. I had a little break, dude. I had a little break. I'm not going to lie. I had a, I was able to come home a week and I believe that was right after we got extended. <laughs> so I was there a year. Wow. I was there a year. And I think I came home like the following, maybe the following week I was able to come back to Germany, see the wife mm-hmm. and then head back. Wow, home. man. That's, that reminds me of, uh, you know, when you think back to World War II and they say that guys were in like, you know, six month in, six month out at the max rotations. And then Vietnam, it was a little bit longer. And then, you know, it just it, keeping people out in the field just kept getting longer, longer, longer. Yeah. And when we got to the Iraq war, like no wonder, no wonder. I mean, like mines are going to crack eventually. Oh. It's going to be tough to rotate back into being a normal civilian after you've lived that life for any length yeah. of time. And the sacrifices that that soldiers and anyone in the military make, it just, it makes me sick. Like when I hear the average, you know, uh, entitled American who, you know, run on their mouth talking shit. It's just like, you guys have no concept of yeah, the sacrifices and that's, that's that people all it make. Is, right? it's, it's just like ridiculous. Di- it's like a disconnect. I think like for me, hundred percent. I just feel like they don't know. They just, they just don't have a clue, you know? I mean, I don't, re- I'll be honest. I don't even blame them, dude. I, I, I'm one of those guys. I don't know if you're this way, man. When people are like, Hey, thanks for your service. It's like, man, you don't, you don't even need to tell me that dude. I signed yeah, up and way. I did all that shit, man. Don't even, I don't even like hearing when people tell me that dude. I don't, I don't really why. either, man. It's, 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 I, 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 I feel bad that I, I feel bad that I agree with you because I, I have felt that way before. In right. fact, I even I think I talked about it on one of my previous shows where I was like, it you will see oh thank you very much you know don't don't mention it you know don't worry about it but inside i'm saying shut up like i don't want to hear that dude you have no clue dude it's okay i guess but you have no clue it's just better to leave me alone man (laughs) you know (laughs) well i mean and that's and that a lot of people would agree with you and would feel that way they don't want to talk about it you know they maybe some of us regret it maybe some of us you know, it completely changed our lives in a way that we didn't expect. Maybe it was for the better, maybe it was for the worse. Um, but you're right. Like once you've done it, I, I don't care who you are. It's going to make you a stronger, more connected person, uh, much more so than the next. You know what I mean? Like oh, for, yeah, for the, sure. Yeah. Just just the ability of of what we what we sacrifice and and, you know, people, people that go on a deployment and. Uh, you know, their wives are pregnant Got for guys, you know, your wife's pregnant while you're gone. You know, she has a baby and you can't be there because you're serving over in a war zone somewhere. You come home and you lay eyes on your child for the first time. And you weren't even part of, you know, the giving, you know, when the baby came into the world process. Right. I remember seeing that as a young, you know, 19 year old kid. I, I remember coming back from my first deployment. And seeing guys, you know, literally meeting their child for the first time. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, it, it's it's the sacrifices that people in the military make demands respect, in my opinion. And when I see people disrespect the military, 
I have a real hard time with it. <laughs> no, I, hey man, to each your it's own. I understand, but like for me, I'll be honest. My thing now is too. This is probably even bad for me to say. I like see the way the army has changed since I've been out, and I'm like, dude, this ain't even my army no more, dude. These guys, oh yeah, these guys are just. I hate to say that. It's like I don't even think I could relate to these dudes if I was in there still anymore. You know, it's just so a lot different. has changed. Yeah, in a short period of time, and yeah. so let's kind of veer off and. And uh, another thing I want to talk about with you today is kind of this is a perfect segue is um, getting into the the being a truth seeker or conspiracy theorist or trying to do some research and look behind the curtain and see the history and see, you know, why we are where we are, how we got there. You know, the forces behind, uh, you know, the official narratives that are actually pulling the strings. Uh, did you get a sense of uh, of maybe there's something going on different than what we were taught as a child from oh, your military yeah, most experience? definitely, bro. Most definitely. It didn't okay. even take that long when we were down there, man. Um, I would provide security for uh, a lot of these Joes that would do the, do the initial surges and raid in. We, mm -hmm. I would be the overwatch, making sure that they didn't get smoked by anyone else that was doing overwatch for the bad guys. And it was mm -hmm. almost, it was weird, man. Cause you remember those, video like movies we'd see as kid in vietnam they'd be like have like the village and then they would have the ammos on the stuff under the villages and it was that mm -hmm. way dude like they would have two i got show you pictures man you die i mean we're talking like size of a gym dude under under a village and go across the street all dug out just full one five five rounds machine guns and you could think of and what i went in was taking pictures and um it's like man how nice all this stuff is British and U S must be a coincidence. You know what I mean? And that's when I'm like, uh -huh. it's like, that was almost right after I got there. And it's like, you start looking at stuff and it's like, Oh, the other big thing they were kept saying, Hey, he was using gas on his own people. He was using gas on his own people. And then she looked mm -hmm. that up, man. It's like Rumsfeld did, gave him that back in the eighties with Reagan and all them when they were doing the Iran, uh, fighting Iran and all that other good stuff. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's like, and it's not hard to trace that stuff. You, if you just can read and can have a, like a more than a 20 cent attention span. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all right in front of your face, dude. It's so, you know, I mean, everything is compartmentalized. If you're in there, you'll see it. And the right hand don't know what the left hand is doing for sure. But I was in a spot where I was lucky. Cause I would, I would be in the talk where the radios were coming in or whatever to get some sleep or whatever, you know? So I would always be hearing these guys constantly be talking because I'd be attached to them. So they really wouldn't give a shit about wow. me. You know? I was like an afterthought. So they would always talk freely about stuff, you know, and be like, yeah, this is in command being like, yeah, this, this is bullshit. You know, this and that. And it's like, man, dude, you never hear these guys talk this way. It's like, Hey, if you talk to your Joes like that, dude, they would probably have a lot more respect for you, you know? Right. Wow. You know? So, yeah. So I think for me, um, you know, I, I got to set foot on a lot of different, in a lot of different countries around the world in my time in the military. And um, I think I, I did see a few things that um, kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. Um, I had a, uh, a secret clearance uh, for when we were in the Persian Gulf. And uh, a lot of people were like, oh, you, you know, secret, uh, you know, classified information like, uh, you know, it, people think of it from this, like, to your point about things being compartmentalized. I always try to explain to people, uh, everyone always hears 
you know, classified information or top secret or secret or confidential or whatever. But what people don't really know about is something called need to know. Right. And the need to know is what keeps things compartmentalized so that you're not supposed to know the big picture. You're supposed to know your job, your objectives. You're supposed right. to go com- accomplish your goals, your tasks. And that's all you need to know. And that's where I think a lot of people have this mis- misconception about the military that if you had a security clearance at any point in time that you knew all this, right. this ocean of information that most people don't know. And that's just not true. Right. <laughs> because you also have to have the- how much of that too is just because you got these asshats, dude, that maybe were in and then they come out and just fluff everything up and bullshit everybody. You know what I mean? Oh, and sure. it's like there's a lot of dudes out there like that, man. You know, and it's like, what? It's like, really? It's I don't know why you would do that. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I, but it happens a lot, I think. I had, a, I had a Marine buddy explain it to me. He said, you know, if you just know in your heart that you did what you're supposed to do while you were there, you did your job to the best of your ability, you made sure that you were safe and you kept everybody that you worked with safe. Uh, even if you don't know the big picture, you know, don't drive yourself crazy trying to figure out if there was a point for us being there, whatever the reasoning behind everything is, you'll drive yourself crazy. He said, all I know is that I did what I was supposed to do while I was there. I treated it like a job and I don't want any praise for it. It's, that goes goes right back to what you said too. And it, it's interesting. It, you know, you, you'd think that those stories when, you know, your average American civilian uh, hears that you would think that they would question like, why is it that these guys and gals, of course, feel the way that they feel. Why aren't they more proud of their service? Why aren't they, you know, expecting you to give them this higher praise because of their unique status, I guess, you know, as far as the stat that our status in the the minds of, you know, the average civilian is a little bit higher for a lot of people, maybe lower for others, depending on what your point of view is. But, you know, it's interesting. Like, I, I wonder if people that never served, you know, I don't remember what it was like before I was in. So like how I thought about it, I guess, because I was young, but just, just when I see people like you have people that, you you know, I'm sure you've had this experience too. You, you find out someone finds out that you're in the military. Right. And you have people that like, that are kind of standoffish about it. Like, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? They don't, they almost don't know what to say. Right. Then you have your people that are just like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Oh my God. I have so much respect for you guys. It's just like this, it, this you know five minute dick sucking kind of right. thing, and I, and I don't mean it. I'm not. I don't mean that people right, should act that way. way. That's just how we you talk. Know, man. Yeah. But right. But I'm just saying, like, it's it's interesting the 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 disconnect, like you said, like how people that actually walk the walk, their viewpoints on what their experiences are versus someone versus someone who's never walked in our shoes. It's just really fascinating. What, what's your take on that? Like, how do you? Have you ever thought about like why people have such different reactions towards towards us when they find out we served in the military? I think it's how you're brought up, man. That's really what I think, man. If you're if you're brought up in some some household that maybe they never served or they don't respect it, or I mean, hell, dude, maybe they have the the thing is, hey, dude, I support the military, but we're not, we don't follow the constitution. These jokers are out of control. You know what I mean? They're aggressive going around the world. Maybe they have that viewpoint. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I just try to stay in my own lane, dude. I just be like, hey, man, people could think whatever the hell they want. Just don't mess with me. You know, I'll be honest. That's really how I think. <laughs> and it's like even all these weirdos you see online, I feel sorry for them a lot of times. It's like they just maybe they just are just so jacked up because they didn't have a good upbringing or something happened to them. Or maybe they just were stuck in a the dumb education system. I Maybe they're for on sure. psychotropics. I You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I feel more sorry for them, dude, because it's like. They're the ones in the long run, dude, I think who are going to sooner or later, you're going to have to face the facts, man. And when you do, the longer you wait, the deeper shit you're in, I think. Yeah, that uh, that's it becomes a very tough pill to swallow. It's like I always give the Matrix analogy like, <laughs> you know, once you once you learn what's really going on, like you can't go back. Like Right. And then you imagine you... you wait so long, dude, and then all of a sudden you you're learning all this stuff at once, man. You know what I mean? Cause you know, there's some people when too. what, Hey, I wake up, man, shit. I'm going to go tell my family, tell them all this stuff. You want to tell them everything, you know? And I think right, some people overload, yeah. bro, just wig out. And they're like, I'm just going to go back in my little hole in my mind and disappear, man. And I'll just ignore that shit. You know? Yeah. I, you know, and I think I've t- for, I think for a long time, I was that way. I was the one that I would come, into some new information then i would just be like oh my god I, like no matter who i encountered but i would that's just be fun chew, though, right, chewing man? their you, ear off about it you know yeah because you think you you know you hey man i got good i i learned some you want to help people i think that's how you know though that you know you're a good dude man you're you're out there actually caring and trying to help people you're not selling information to anybody or doing anything oh yeah shady. you know what i mean you're just it's like the it pure out. quest for truth you know right. like a, a pure seeker of truth like i'm not trying to to validate an already existing viewpoint that I want to, to propagandize people with, right? Like, no, I just want to find out what's really true. And if, if, if I can get a hundred pieces of research and information on a topic and sift through all of them, and I find common themes through all 100 pieces that kind of paints this picture, like, okay, standard deviation plus or minus five degrees, five points, chances are this was, you know, objective truth that occurred based on all this evidence. And you, of course you can never know for sure. You know, the absolute truth is almost unattainable people say, but like, I don't know if it was my military experience. I think it was to an extent. I don't know if how it, I transitioned into that, but I think I started really reading a lot more in college and researching and just, I always just assumed I kind of had this, ability to kind of take the role of the other and put myself in other people's shoes and be like, See, okay. I'm, that, I'm that way too, man. I always do that, man. I try. Yeah, and, ma- and I think that part of that comes from the military and just the skill set that you have to already innately have and the skill set that you develop when you are in the military maybe makes us more aware. Maybe it makes us vet our sources and check our sources more, make sure we're getting higher quality information. But I don't know. Somewhere along the way, man, I just started diving into this stuff. And here I am 20 years later doing podcasts and still talking about the realities of this world. And yeah, I don't it's know crazy, dude. What I had a you- wake up call, man, when I first came back to the States because I was gone for what, four years. I didn't come back home. So when I yeah. when I deployed, there was no TSA, no DHS. There was none of that shit. Oh, so wow. when I first came back to the States, they pulled me off. I think it was in New York. They put me off in New York and they're like, hey, man, your duffel bag tests positive for explosive residue. I'm like, no shit. 
Probably they all they all have it, dude. I just you know left the war mean? zone, so you know. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I you see my orders, you see everything. I know what you want me to do. They're like, you need to come with us. And so they brought me in a room, man. And I don't know. I'm a military guy. I don't know all military guys in the way, but when you start messing with me, I become a real dick. You know what I mean? So it's like oh, I'm not I'm not answering your questions. No, I don't have to answer your questions. Where are you going? Where I want to. You know what I mean? That's like, and I sat there for about, I think, probably about two hours and I missed my flight, but I didn't give a shit. I got the next one, but it's like, I'm not even talking to these assholes. You know what I mean? Wow. Do what you're going to do. That's what I was telling them. Do what you're going to do. We'll just take it to the limit, dude. I'm not scared. That's so crazy. All that stuff got implemented before. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you actually saw the old America pre 11 and the new America. And the new one. Then I came home and police were all different, dude. They were all hostile. And it happened that quick. Yeah. Yeah. And they were super hostile. And it wasn't that way when I left. You know, when I came back home, it was totally different, man. That's so crazy, man. I make that argument uh, uh, in a few previous episodes where it's like people don't realize how much the world changed after 9 11. And we're coming up on, uh, on, you know, 20 some years since the anniversary. So we're at the, we're at a point now where an entire generation of kids grown up have grown up. And that was in the rear view mirror before they came into this world. They didn't even know what the world was like right. before nine 11. So yep. And now they're indoctrinated that, that, that getting groped at the airport nude x-ray and stuff is normal and good for you, dude. So I mean, it's so they, you know, it only takes one generation. That's what they say. Yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's like 25, 30 years. You can yeah. you can get an entire uh, new education into the minds of the, the, the children. And, you know, that's how a lot of this stuff has happened in the past. And when you start doing your research, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, right. you start learning what, what these big plans have been and how they've been implemented and who's behind them. And uh, it, once you get a, 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 a grasp on history i would say once you have once you have a, a base knowledge of history back 100 200 years a lot of stuff starts making sense yeah and yeah you look at the romans man a lot and you know, i read their stuff a lot and it's like like tonight we're doing it i ain't gonna lie i watch nfl football but tonight's opening night and it's like dude that's just like the roman calcium games just refurbished for everybody you know for distraction sure. don't pay attention to what's going on you and we'll just keep stealing from Red you, and circuses. you know? yep. mm-hmm. It's it's crazy how you can just look around when you know history and see that and be like, man, I, that's obviously a distraction. That's a distraction. You know what I mean? But it, it's, it's almost surreal, that. man. The first the first couple times I would see in reality, uh, you know, some of the symbolism after reading about it, learning about it in books and through stories and articles and. Then you go out into the world and you start seeing the stuff. Dude, it's almost like right? <laughs> it's like a mushroom trip or something. Yeah. I'm like, dude, am I dreaming or is this real life? And that's for me, I think that's when the, the flip the light switch kind of flipped and it becomes kind of like an obsession. It's like, okay, now what, what can I learn? What else don't I know? And See, I just I'm start going too, down man. rabbit just, holes, you know. I love just getting weird books, man, or looking at stuff, uh, just strange stuff online, being like, oh, is this is this true? It's more like fun to journey, man, just to go down the rabbit hole and search it. And then you're going to find five other guys you never heard of that are creepoids too, that you can research 100%. along the way. You know, it's like a never ending thing, dude. It's like, what? And then you find out guys that you never even thought were part of them. You're like, this guy's part of them too. What? Yep. You know, it's yep. strange. It's man. true. I, I, uh, I, in a previous show, <clears throat> I played, uh, 
Ronald Reagan speech that I actually really liked. It was back in like the sixties when he was campaigning for Barry Goldwater. Yeah. And in that, and in that speech, he kind of cracks jokes about these, these guys I never heard of. And one of them was this guy, Billy Saul Estes. And I was like, who is this Billy Saul Estes guy? So I went and looked into that guy and boy, <laughs> LBJ's like corrupt henchmen that screwed all these people out of like their farms through he, he ran like this anhydrous ammonia business and he would sell it to all these people with promissory notes like he was going to deliver but then he never delivered he just took their money and went back to texas and i mean these these are the piece of crap like just criminal crooks right. that are like buddies with all these politicians it's like you start looking at the cabinet members and the secretaries of whatever that a lot of the presidents choose and you do your research on them boy i mean you know, it's it's so crazy when you think about the average American looks up to the government's drilling our heads since we're kids. Like, oh, the government's they're they're looking out for you. They have your best interest in mind. They're making you know moral decisions for the, the people. And it's like, no, dude, none of you grow up, and it's like that is not the case at yeah, all. For sure, dude. One thing that bothers me, man, is whenever I hear people start saying like democracy, democracy, democracy. It's oh. like, yo, bro, this isn't a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. It's like, why don't start saying that? It's got all these these political scumbags doing it too. You know what I mean? Hey, it's going to infect your democracy. It's like, dude, democracy is bad news, bro. We don't want democracy. Yeah. Our founders hated it, man. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. I, I can't believe they say it so freely. Well, and they, I mean, that's another thing, like you said, that goes back to the education system. It's like mm -hmm. once you really dive into what democracy is, everyone that has ever been a critic of it has says that, you know, it naturally degenerates into fascism. Right. You know, I mean, and, and I know you people make that argument about capitalism and socialism and all the systems. And I always make the argument that, you know, any system run by human beings is going to be an imperfect, fallible system because humans are imperfect fallible creatures there's always going to be people fucking up making mistakes right and there's going to be no people matter looking what to, looking to take advantage of the system and only any openings there always are going to be them you know always always and like and even like these people that are just like that the, just they they live in this world where any authority figure is just this benevolent person that should never be questioned and should be looked up to and you know they they do all the thinking for me so all i have to do is listen to them and, it, you know, <laughs> the disconnect between people that have actually been outside of this country, especially military members that have seen some of the realities of this world, the, the disconnect between those few of us and the rest of the general population that maybe haven't even left the 20, 30 mile radius of the small town right. that, yeah. that they grew up in, you know, sure. education and the lack of educating people properly, I think is where where that disconnect comes from what do you think about about that yeah i think you're right man and fear dude i think fear is a big one now dude they just shove that fear paradigm down everyone's throat man where they they're too scared to go out to the out of their damn house you know what i mean it's so sure. crazy it's so crazy how everyone just buys into that fear paradigm man i think the key is once you're not afraid to death anymore and you just realize, hey, man, it's a natural part of life, dude. It's going to happen to every one of us. None of us are going to live forever. Once you, come to that, once you come to that realization, like seriously, like in your with yourself and you're like, hey, I ain't going to be here forever, man. So you know what? I'm just going to rock it and go as hardcore as I can every day and thank the guy upstairs every day. I open my eyes and when 
maybe one day tomorrow, maybe I won't open them, but I want to live the best today, bro. That's how I think. That sounds like gratitude to me, man. I love it. And I think that's the difference. And that I try to get that message across on my show quite a bit is I'm always, I'm always hammering my audience. Like people, you got to look inwardly. You want to solve the problems of the world. You want to save the world. You got to stop pointing your finger at everything and everyone around you and blaming your situation on the set of circumstances that are, is occurring around you externally. Like you only thing you can control is you. That's it. <clears throat> and if you, and if you can't even control yourself, then what you, you should just shut up. If you're going to try to criticize or give advice to people about how to make the world or themselves a better place, like, no, 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 no. Start with yourself. Let's get okay. your, yourself in order and unfucked. And then maybe you can start worrying about finding like-minded people that have, you know, done the, the internal work. And like you said, come to terms with uh, their mortality and accepted the fact that, you know, I'm not really afraid to die because I've faced death before. And uh, that, that, you know, like you said, you're, you mentioned Rome, like I, I'm thinking about like the, the gladiator movies and like the Spartacus movies and the culture back then was fighting. It was pain. It was hardship. It was like battle every single day. And your society went the way of the Buffalo. If you weren't the biggest, strongest, fastest, most intelligent with the best strategies and tactics. And that's how good America and the ascent of the American empire it's, it's gotten to a point where people don't even need to worry about predators or starving. And it, it's just crazy. To right. Me. They, about they, that as think, far as the lack of gratitude and the lack of, of perspective on how tough life really is for a lot of people in the world compared to the United States. I, I think that they've managed to, domesticate most of the humans man you know they got them to settle for the little white house and go run down the street for your grocery store instead of how it used to be you grow your own food you know i mean think like back in the day we, we could say hey dude guess what we want to go open up a guitar store let's go and we could go do it we didn't have yeah. to get all these permits and all this bullshit and i'll jump through all these hoops and i mean it was never that way and we could start living like that you know and it was that's how it used to be, man. But they've taken mm -hmm. all that away to try think, try forcing everyone into the system, man. And they don't give a shit what system it is. It's justice, health, education, whatever. They just want to suck you dry, I think, you know? Yeah, it starts to look like it's a concerted effort over time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Like, I just, <coughs> excuse me, I remember back to when I was young. And, you know, I didn't really start thinking big picture or getting into history and all that kind of stuff until my mid-20s, probably, uh, after my military service. And now I think to the kids that I see and that I know in my life that are in their early to mid-20s, and boy, they're living in a different world than, than I, than, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like, it's almost like their curiosity doesn't start until their 40s and 50s now, maybe, is what it's going to look like when they grow up because yeah. of how much technology is in their face and how much, you know, I call it the tyranny of convenience, you know, making your life so much easier in so many different ways is taking your, your purpose away. 
Like, right. like Americans don't have purpose anymore. And that's why I think the sanctity of life thing is going away. People think that other people are just disposable. We live in such a disposable everything culture. Nothing is built to last, including us. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and it's right. happening. And it's happening, like you mentioned before, in the military. Like the military is going woke now. Basically, they're like, I just saw this thing where they're teaching guys in the Navy how to use pronouns properly. And what oh, is this? Oh, the army too, man. And the army, dude, there's a video and it's probably a few years old now, but they were teaching that the found, if the founding fathers were here today, man, they'd be terrorists. And they were serious. Oh, 100%. They, they weren't joking. Like they were saying like, yeah, we go get them. You know, they'd be terrorists. We don't put up with that stuff. And it's like, <laughs> that, that's that, a different that, army than I came from, man. My army would be saying we're with those dudes, man. And you know what I mean? Then it's like this other newer group. I think they managed to do a nice purge of a lot of people they knew wouldn't go along with the program. And those that are the yes men are still there, I think. So let me ask you this. What do you think about, I always make the argument that if China really rises like everyone says oh china's going to be the new superpower allegedly if they can get their their money uh currency situation uh into some type of global market and they can fix their pollution problem they're they're building this navy at exponential rate and uh it looks like they're building the biggest military in the world they have you know they outnumber us like what uh, you know, a thousand to one. I don't know what the number is, but I mean, there's billions of Chinese people. Right. And, 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 and in my humble opinion, they have a much more disciplined culture. Oh, so for sure, dude. I don't that, know I don't how think our military. Opinion, dude. I think you just look. <laughs> but, way but this more is different. my point. So let me, add, so that's what I wanted to ask your opinion on this. Cause this is something that crosses my mind from time to time. I've always made this joke. Like the, the day might come where Americans are jumping on boats to China to look for jobs if things oh. continue to go the way they are. And so what if, what is your, what are your thoughts on if we ever got into a war type situation with China, what do you think our chances are I think, in this I new think woke, go, soft I, military? I think they would go nuke almost right away, bro. It's probably, it's probably in their Ugh. SOP, dude. I'm not going to lie. It probably is. Cause I mean, what's, how are you going to, how, what's your chances against the, billion people dude fighting them it's probably not too good dude and they got whatever that, happened to mutually assured destruction though like wasn't that what the cold war was all about like you can't nuke anybody it's it's mutually assured destruction we're all fucked you're Maybe gonna end the world even real dude i don't even know i'll be honest oh. sometimes i wonder about that stuff i'm not even kidding dude i don't know you were on a navy ship do you do you know are they real about what nukes i said i don't even know if nukes are real you hear so much stuff that they're that they're not real. It's not what they say and all kinds of stuff. I don't know if it's true or not, man. You know, well, there's, well, there's nuclear submarines that right. are, that are powered by nuclear right. energy. I'm talking about like weapon systems, you know but, what I mean? The way they say, like when you think about Hiroshima, like that's right. the one they'd always would bring up. That was dropped like, from a plane. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think, I don't know if there's nuclear warhead missiles in like submarines and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't doubt there being, uh, the possibility yeah, sure of that in is, this bro. day and age. Yeah. Um, I know when I had a security clearance on my amphibious ship, I was on a ship that was already 30, 40 years old. It was, you know, built in the 60s. So it was by no means one of the newer class right. ships. But I've seen some of the technology on the newer class ships. And I mean, I mean, you're talking I can push a button from this ship and fire a missile off of another ship because that ship's closer to the target right. and I already know where it's going. I mean, the technology, the technology now is 
ridiculous. They can, I mean, I think there's a joke. Some stand-up comedian makes this joke about, I, I, you know, uh, the the technology from the Persian Gulf War. I think it was Bill Hicks actually. He was like, it sure was awesome seeing them uh, fire missiles with the accuracy into like into like you know portholes like the yeah. size of like whatever he says but could we use that same technology to shoot food at hungry people <laughs> <laughs> i always thought it was funny but i always think about that he's he's talking about how good the technology has gotten so maybe our technology is superior to china well, i don't know so i keep hearing that they're that- that we have, I'm sure you know, like rods of God, dude. You know about that stuff. I'm sure that's up in the well, and the like, AI you know, too. Their yeah. AI game, I hear, is way more advanced than ours. Allegedly, allegedly, who knows? Right? Who? I mean, to be honest, I don't know, dude. It might just be something as easy as you just have to EMP them, dude, and make them go dark, and then they know. Then they just go be in trouble for a long time, and then that that's my. That's my biggest fear on the world stage, too, is you hear Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum talking about, oh, cyber attacks. <clears throat> cyber attacks will happen. It's like, you're right, dude. You drop an EMP on anything. and pfft. Oh, yeah, man. You're back, you're back is like over. 70, 80 years, dude. You know, 100 years, you're, you're screwed, bro. Big time. So, I mean, if it ever comes to that, I mean, they're, you know, <laughs> they're definitely playing God. You know, oh, the powers sure. that be in this new world order, if that's really what they're trying to do, it's you know, power never before seen in human history, I guess. I don't know. What do you think about all that great reset plan? World I think, economic I think it's true, stuff? man. But I think first, dude, they just want to demoralize and just make humans just feel so crappy about themselves and scare them and make them hate each other so much that that they can just get away with whatever the hell they want. You know, I mean, that's what it seems like they're doing. Every, I mean, everything they're doing has been a lie so far. It's just people's giving their own free will away, dude. And then they got you. That's the key. Don't ever give your free will to any of these people. Keep it, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I find it so urgent uh, that a lot of us podcasters are, are doing what we're doing. And I've heard uh, one of my friends, Sam Winchester talks about how, you know, podcasting gives us purpose. It, It feel, it makes me feel like I'm trying to give something back to society that they're not getting anywhere else because of how dominated monopolized the media and the information war and all that kind of stuff is. So, so how about you, man? What, what made you decide to start your podcast? It was, you know, I, I love, I love listening to all you different dudes and it was something that I always was like, man, I used to listen to coast to coast radio when I was a little kid. Come on one in the morning, dude, I grew up listening to all that. It's like, man, I'd love to do that. It would be so fun. You know? So that's what, that's pretty much all it was. It was like, and maybe I'll meet some cool dudes. You know, I'm an old, old fart now, man. I'm in my mid, (laughs) in my my mid forties. Most of my buddies are broke, unfortunately, you know, they ain't around anymore. So like, maybe I'll meet some like-minded and cool individuals. Maybe everyone in the world isn't a douchebag. Yeah. And you know what? That's what I love about, uh, you know, technology. I, I always say there's positives and negatives to everything. And one of the positives of our interconnected, hyper connected, social media streaming podcasting tech world now is you know you can make friends and have conversation with someone on a daily basis that you've never met in real life that live on the opposite side of the world so i mean that's got to be a positive you know yeah get a totally different perspective man that you would never have you know and and i hope i really do hope that the average everyday american is reaching out and seeking out 
talking to somebody maybe online because you feel a little bit more safe and secure, maybe talking to someone that is different from you, from a different background, different belief system. I feel like that average everyday American should seek out, they should, they should try to go out and talk to someone that is a different religion or has a different oh. belief system and, and expose yourself to someone and get to know their stories and why they feel the way that they do rather than just letting the news and the TV screens tell you what to think and what to feel and who's bad and who's good and all that divide and conquer stuff that you, you alluded to. And I feel like maybe that's why people in the military or people that are worldly and have traveled around do have that unique perspective. And maybe it is our responsibility to share our experiences with others, to show them like, look, we're all the same race, color, creed, sexual orientation, religion, like none of that crap matters. Like we're all the same. We all have the same problems. We and all want the same things for our. We all want the same man. things. Yep. Yeah, and and I really, I, I, with how much shit, you know, the political party, political back and forth game, the fighting, and just the venom that comes out of people, you know, I, I just really hope that people maybe will give podcasters a listen, and maybe become more open minded and try to see the world through different eyes than just that media TV screen. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, people need to be willing to listen to other people too, man. You know, so many people are just, they're so caught up in that fake paradigm garbage where it's like, hey, you're a Republican? Well, I'm not listening to you. You're a Democrat. Exactly. I'm not listening to you. It's like, hey, man, just meet in the middle, bro. The truth is the truth. It always will be the truth. So just find that truth and stand on it, whether whatever you want to call yourself, left, right, whatever. I'm nothing, man. I don't even vote. <laughs> right? Never yeah, it's just... It's just labels, you know, it's, it's, it's a shortcut to thinking. It's like people, if they can label you and put you in a group, then they can just dismiss the group. Right. It's like, they, I, don't have, I don't have to illusion. think. False illusion of choice, right? Like Coke or Pepsi, dude, take your pick, dude. Republican yeah. or Democrat, man. But it's yep. going to be used to, then you go Binary. a little, con little country like Germany. I could fit into Texas here, I think two or three times. And they have 15 people you could choose, 15 different parties you could choose from. It's like, what's go what's going on here, man? <laughs> you know, you kind of start thinking about things a different way. See, and that's the thing. It's like the average American doesn't even have that level of experience. All they know is the, the media propaganda, the fear campaign, the fear porn, like you said, that's the it. just the the com the commodification of everything and uh, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of violence in the streets now, too. It's like the fabric of society is just, you know, the institutions are crumbling. It seems like, I don't know, like, what do you think, uh, what do you think we need to do to turn the country around at this point? Is, is it too late or is there still hope? What do you think? I, dude, I'll, as long as I'm breathing, dude, I'll never, I would say it's never too late, man. Cause I ain't ever going to quit. I, I agree. It's you know what I mean? Late. They got to I just think people need to start with themselves, man. Look inside. If we all just look inside and take care of ourselves, then we wouldn't have to change anybody else. Be all, they, everything would be squared away and ready to roll. That's the main thing, right. man. Seek the creator, I would say, too. It's up to you. He's helped me a bit more than I can imagine, man. So yep, if, you're having, if you tried everything else, I would try that, and you haven't tried it. Work <laughs> yeah, for me. If you've, yeah, <laughs> if you've tried nothing uh, religious, Maybe give it a shot just yeah. once and see if it For has real. something to offer you. Give it, a, give it a, give it a shot. You might, you might be a little scared when it starts working. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it, and it, like you said, it all boils down to your 
outlook too. Like you got to really be trying to, you know, seek out under, like I always call it, I call it intellectual honesty. Like some there's people have a million different reasons to learn things, but the the most important reason, the reason why you should be doing it is to learn and to use that information to grow from that experience, you know? And I just feel like people just don't even do that anymore. Like, have you ever seen um, uh, Mark Dice Mm -hmm. go out into the streets with a microphone and ask uh, just the average person walking down the boardwalk in San Diego, the most, you know, elementary school question about government or about whatever. And they can't even get those questions right. I mean, maybe, maybe they cut that to make it look worse than it is. I don't know, but (laughs) Doesn't Dude, give me I a lot always, of hope. I always think though, too, man. That's just a reflection on the adults over them, man. You know what I mean? They're the ones that teach them this stuff or don't teach them, and put this info in their head or don't, and they're purposely not putting the correct info in there. You know, it's a bunch of social crap or theories or stuff that's not even real. It's just what they think, you know. And you may look at something one way, I may look at it a different way. We both could be right. The answer could be both for but. sure. You know, mm-hmm. but they'll never say that, dude. There's one answer. That's it. Because they don't want people to compromise. They want everyone to stand there, stay in their little space and stand there, stand their ground. Unless it's to the overlords, you know, then they want you to bend over. <laughs> that's that's what it's like to me. I don't know, man. You know, I'll be honest. I'm not a politic guy. I hate politics. I always get aggravated every pre- time there's a presidential thing. Listen, everyone talk about it. And all these jokers blow smoke up. Everyone's very right. Sure. It's like same old thing, man. It's like you could pick whoever you want, dude. Same crap's going to happen pretty much. I think. Yeah, you no, know? I think you're right. I think that everyone that gets presented to us is already vetted and selected by all the powerful oh, people. Oh, yeah, and- man. Like my family have like yeah. a lot of Republicans and Democrats and everything, but like I tell them when they try saying there's a difference, name the last time our foreign policy changed. Oh, I, for I, sure. I couldn't bro. You know what I mean? So I would say that's a good indication because if I'm a, if I'm different than this other guy, well then I, I'm not going to be my foreign policy definitely be different. I wouldn't be agreeing with everything this guy did. I would at least change some things, you know, but yeah, for sure. They never do, man. They just keep pushing it forward. So. And and because of that, like it still baffles me. Like I'll 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 have people that listen to my show and I talk about the two party paradigm all the time and how you gotta get that crap out of your head. You gotta just take issue by issue and you gotta learn, you know, the the ulterior motives of the people, the actors that get put in these political parties to do jobs for you know, it's like that everyone's been talking you about that uh analogy of WWE. You know, it's like mm-hmm. politics is like WWE. It's like on TV, they hate each other and they're in this bitter rivalry. But, you know, as soon as the cameras go off, they're high-fiving each other and they're saying, good job. You know, we executed the plan to perfection. I think it's such a great analogy oh, because that's is, really man. how it is. Sure, yeah. It's like the, mean- it shows the dialectical thinking. It shows every every possible analogy of how the people in power and government make decisions and you know, choose to focus on things in the media to send a message. Like I love that WWE analogy and it's, it's Did funny. I'll still WWF or WWE growing up. Oh man? yeah. I was a huge wrestling fan. Oh, See yeah. me too, man. Maybe that's why we're conspiracy theorists, man. We were already <laughs> showing all that crap when we were little, dude. We I mean, up. you have a point there. Cause you I see mean, it like, who knows? 
Ch- yeah. uh, I've heard Chris Jericho. Uh, re- he someone asked him like, so what do you do really in re- the wrestling business? He said, what we do is morality plays. I was like, man, morality plays, and I was like, but it's also kind of Hegelian dialectic. You know, it's it's the whole uh, problem reaction solution, the thesis antithesis synthesis that you hear. You know, in the conspiratorial circles and you know, in the casting spells and all that stuff people talk about with regard to that stuff. But it's interesting how, you know, all the world's a stage and we're all merely players, right? It's like, no wonder false flags are a thing. No wonder media manipulation and propaganda works and is effective. No wonder why people don't know what's really going on in the world. It's because the systems have been set up to keep us there. And people still even with knowledge, like, okay, like I'll, I'll open someone's mind up about this stuff. Right. I'll have a conversation with someone. I'll, I'll be like, so you get this. Yes. You get this concept. Yes. You get this. Okay. Yes. And then we'll have conversations and then I'll post something on my Facebook page. Right. And then they'll comment like the other day, I, I, I posted this laudatory thing about George Orwell and someone said, you know, he's a socialist. Right. And it's like, boom, they immediately fell right back into that binary this or that left or right thinking it's like it's so drilled in our brains and they got it's it so too infected. instead of us getting along or trying to question each other of just automatically trying to outdo the other one or gut punch them you know where hey, i'm going to say something just to try to make you be quiet or it's no one learns that way man we learn by sharing information you know what i mean so and who mm-hmm. gives a damn if he was a socialist so many people were socialists dude you know what i mean it doesn't exactly. mean the info it was that to do with the info the info is what it is it's the truth it's and the truth that's, that's exactly it it's like it's just so funny to me where i'll think that i've made a little progress with somebody and then they'll be like, you know, he's a socialist, right? And I'm like, wait, I can't say something nice about someone just because they identify as left or right. Like, what are we doing, people? Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, how many people, man, like even my family, and I have nothing against the Trumpster, but there were so many people that were in my family or were just Trump crazy, you know, and it's like he would do now whatever would biden does something and they're like oh yeah this guy did this right in his executive order and it's like hey do you remember when trump wrote the executive order for the cdc dude so they couldn't kick people out of the house well that's mm-hmm. different it's like no, yeah, no dude exactly. it's not different it's the same that's what the that's what i think the problem is it's like you can't you can't be like well hey that's my guy the winning team so i'm gonna look the other way when he decides to violate the constitution, but I'm going to call these other guys out when they do it. You know, it's got to be the same, man. It's got to be either you follow the law or you don't dude. And if you don't, then you're a criminal. It's that simple. Or, or, and if you can't see that the same behavior performed by a person, regardless of what party they identify with is it's still the same act. Right. So like, it doesn't make it okay. If a Democrat does it, you know what I mean? If you're if you're a Democrat and you you criticize a Republican for doing something, and then your Democrat, you know, does it, and then oh, it's totally fine. Right. That's that's the thing. It's like it's like unequal application of yeah, you know, whatever you want to call it, man, the political system, whatever. It's like they you got to start holding people accountable and holding them to the same standards, man. You can't hold these people to different standards dude let some people get away with stuff and others punish you know if it's wrong it's wrong dude it doesn't matter who you are what's the saying you do the crime you do the time man yeah exactly you know that's the way it should be 
I agree, man. You know, I was going to ask you too. I want to ask you one more thing um, with regard to your story about uh, you said you had a near death experience. You said something about your pancreas getting, getting removed. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I was curious about the near death experience part and, and what that entailed. Sure, dude. I mean, we could talk about it um, here. I'll, I could probably just show you the, the good stuff. Oh, so that's a scar from there all the way down to there. There's like holes. I don't know if you could see hole there. Yeah, I can see it. Hole there, hole there, hole there. One in my back. Some crazy times, dude. So, wow. I mean, it was nuts, man. I'll be honest. And that went on for, dude, I don't even know. Years, man. Years. And, uh, you know you should really have on. I always tell everyone, man, you should probably have my wife on, dude, because I was intubated and tube up my nose, intubated, so drugged up, dude, tube in every orifice, really, dude. It's like I remember stuff and I don't remember stuff. You know what I mean? Or I'll say stuff and she'll be like, hey, that's you're confused. That was the other time because they opened me up twice like that, not just wow. once. Once to debris me from the infection and all that stuff. Then they did close me up and they thought I would die originally from that. They didn't think I'd be able to take it from the healing. They thought I might, I, my immune system would just take a dump. Wow. What originally happened? Was it something? No, bro. Oh, I don't wow. know, man. I just, I just graduated college the week before and I came home to do landscaping with my youngest daughter and got out of the car and I didn't feel sick or nothing all day. All of a sudden I just felt super nauseous, started vomiting man i made it inside passed out my daughter was little i want to say she was probably seven or eight maybe at the time and she had enough sense to call my wife and my wife came home and saw me and i was yellow from head to toe i had jaundice her mom had billy reuben was getting recycled around my whole body so i was in there a long time in the icu months and months and months and months man Learn to walk again, all that good stuff, dude. Learn to write your name and shave, and but it's okay, dude. It's I, I'm not gonna say I like that stuff, but I'm one of those kind of weirdos, dude. If if I could do things the hard way, that's the way I've always chosen. You accept the challenge, yep. Ever since yep. I was a kid, man, my dad be whooping my behind and be like, "You still gonna do it?" Like, yep, and he'd be whooping me more with the belt <laughs> to do it. Yep, I'm still gonna do it. You know what I mean? That's always how I was until I couldn't yeah. take it anymore. You know, I always have been the one to push it to the limits. And if I can do something the hard way, someone else has done something 50 times. No one's done it this way. Hey, I'll try it. Why not? Man? I think that's a solid uh, way to look at things. And I, I wish more people did look at things that way because, you know, I fear for the future of our country, man. I really hope I really hope people get it together and learn more and grow more and try to thicken their skin up and not be so sensitive and try to compare their lot in life to those that uh, you know people that live in other countries that would trade places with you in a second oh yeah if they had the opportunity and sure you know and and i just want to say you know it's almost 9 11 again it's almost the anniversary 9 11 and you know i know we we just mentioned earlier in the show that we don't love here and thank you for your service but hey man we were both we both made that decision that's cool man there man Thanks, thanks for being for being there, little buddy. I appreciate you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, th- you know, it's like we. I always say that, you know, we don't get the credit we deserve, but you know, people, I guess, show respect in in their own specific ways. And 
I think you're right, man. The path is looking inwardly and, and uh, you got to get right with yourself or else you're going to tear everyone and everything around you down That's uh, it, man. until you, you do. Yeah. You until can't, you, you can't even start to help anyone else, man. If you can't even help yourself. You know, that you start out there and that's all of us, man. That's every one of us. We all, we all got that funky stuff from everything we've been taught and manipulated with through TV, radio, you know, anything you can think of, you know what I mean? You need to, everyone needs to get that out and realize what's going on. And if you've done somebody wrong, man, I recommend saying, sorry, dude, that's the best thing you could do. It helps you more than it helps them, dude. You know? Absolutely. For real. Damn, man. Well, this is a great convo, Brody. Great to meet you. Uh, where can uh, my listeners find your stuff? They could find me at the secret squirrel podcast.com. And I should be some dropping some stuff, man. I'm when I drop it, we're just going to go steal rain and be dropping stuff like crazy. Dude. <laughs> be <laughs> dropping podcast bombs for sure, man. And, <laughs> and if you ever want to have me back on again to talk about my, my health thing, man, I'll, I'll come on with you. I'll be, I'll be honest. It'd be a long time, dude. Cause it's like, it was like seven, eight years of stuff, diabetes beating and beating this and beating that and beating this. Yeah, man. I, well, I definitely want to have you back on and, um, I'll have you, you on mine about- too, dude. One day, if you would like to come on, man, once I figure oh, it all out for absolutely, sure. Bro. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so dude. we'll definitely do this again. Um, for, so you said secret, the secret squirrel, uh, podcast and you're on all the podcasters out there yeah i'm still trying to get on apple dude they still haven't accepted me but i'm still trying to get on there oh did you did you go through the uh whatever their submission service thing is or something i like just that? like no dude i got what's what you call it um one of those podcasting host sites dude i got it and everyone else accepted me dude and it's like oh uh Something with your picture is screwed up. You need to make it smaller. And then I change it and do what it says. And it's like, oh, no, now it's something else. And now it's something else. So I don't know. The podcasting host said that the company said that they're trying to work with them to get it accepted. I don't know what's going on, man. It's all new to me, dude. I'll be honest. Well, that's okay. That's how you learn, though, man. That's uh, that's how you do it. So, And then uh, the secretsquirrelpodcast.com is your website? Yeah. You can get me at email at secret squirrel podcast at gmail.com perfect awesome thanks everybody for listening go check out brody's stuff uh we'll see you next time adios man all right people i hope you enjoyed that interview slash conversation with brody shannon bruce of the secret squirrel podcast i think he's got one episode up right now i think he's getting ready to post a couple more so go check out his stuff. Go read his story. Uh, he's got a great story. Actually, I'm going to read it to you right now because I just think this is cool. So this is from Brody's uh, website in like his you know about him section. And he says, Since the dawn of time, there has been a war raging. It is between the light and the dark. We are all drafted into this war upon our birth, like it or not. The battle is for the soul and the minds of our human race. We get to decide which one to turn our free will over to. Which will you choose? As for me, I'm an Iraq War Army veteran and a lover of life. I was featured in a book, Kuval, by Michael Todd, which was just one of my many missions in Iraq. 
I have been the exception to the rules of life for my entire existence from over 15 months straight spent in a constant war zone to my near-death experience. Spending months in the ICU, intubated multiple times, inserted food pumps, five tubes placed in my body to drain the massive infections. My pancreas was cut to just the head. My gallbladder removed. I became diabetic. The list goes on and on. I had to learn to walk and use simple everyday items again. I was reborn a different man. During my seven-year battle, I did what they all said was impossible. I have totally, physically recovered. No diabetes, no wheelchair or cane needed. I have known things were not as they seem since I was a little boy. I used to see things that go bump in the night, and I still do. I started this podcast to help others who choose to look at life differently or those that can see that something is wrong with our reality. Well, thanks for stopping by. You rock on and take care of yourself. Brody Bruce. And then he's got a quote from Bruce Lee. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. People, you think your life's tough? Here in the United States of America? Why don't you take your life and put it up against a guy like Brody Bruce. And if you think your life compares, if you think you know service, sacrifice, gratitude, humility, loss. I don't know if you know the meaning of those words, people. There are some of us people <laughs> that are just cut from a different cloth. This life is a test, my fellow Americans. And you don't pass it by running away from consequences, responsibilities, duty, etc. What kind of person do you want to be? In the 21st century, the choice is yours. People, let's turn up the optimism and the fun, and let's play some punk rock. All right, people, welcome back to the show. It's time to play some punk rock. And today, I'm going to feature an awesome band in the Allegedly Records catalog. Paperback Tragedy. 
has been doing their thing in the Baltimore, Maryland area going on 20 plus years now and are showing no signs of stopping. Their newest album, entitled Threesh, was recently uh, released on Allegedly Records uh, back in June of this year, 2022. And the band Paperback Tragedy consists of Will West on vocals and guitar, Frog on bass, Clay on drums, and Sea Lunch <laughs> on guitar and vocals. And these guys are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, making their debut on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast, here's Paperback Tragedy with the first and second songs off of their new album, Threesh. This song is called Last Ride of the Coastal Warriors, it's their 41-second intro track to their new album, Threesh, followed by the song, Autumn, again. So without further ado, let me present to you, from Baltimore, Maryland, this is Paperback Tragedy, with the song's Last Ride of the Coastal Warriors, and autumn again. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh.
people i hope you like those tracks that's the show for today go to the website politics and punk rock podcast.com buy a t-shirt donate to the show go check out brody bruce and the secret squirrel podcast uh go check out paperback tragedy and all the amazing artists at allegedly records.com go check out all the amazing podcasts at altmediaunited.com my fellow Americans, I love you guys so much. Keep your head up up there, out there. <laughs> Keep your head up, up there. Keep your head up out there. Keep your chin up. Stay positive. It could always be worse. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. Episode 111 of the Politics of Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled, Thank You for Your Service. We'll see you next time.